A storm, frightened disciples, and sleep. Grab your Bible and let's talk. Welcome to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson. One day, Jesus and his followers got into a boat. Come with me across the lake. And so, they started across. While they were sailing, Jesus fell asleep. A big storm blew up on the lake. The boat began to fill with water, and they were in danger. The followers went to Jesus and woke him. Master, Master, we will drown! Jesus got up and gave a command to the wind and the waves. The wind stopped, and the lake became calm. Jesus said to his followers, Where is your faith? The followers were afraid and amazed and said to each other, What kind of man is this? He commands the wind and the water, and they obey him. Well, what a story. This story is found in Luke chapter 8, 22 through 25. It's a few verses, but what an impact. Talking about a storm, there's nothing more awe-inspiring than a storm. You know, the saying, nature unleashing. And even as we're speaking, ironically, as we're taping this, there's a storm outside. And we were talking about, oh, is the sound of the wind and the rain going to be picked up in this podcast? So if it is, it's an extra bonus for you today. Sound effects for the story. We feel so vulnerable and so weak in the face of the power of nature. And we find the story here, the disciples in Jesus in a boat on a sea, except it's not an ocean sea, it's the Sea of Galilee, which is actually a lake, a freshwater lake. And there were fishermen on the boat. There were people that were very familiar with being out in the water. When they said the storm was dangerous, they knew this was a dangerous storm for sure. You know, the Sea of Galilee is not a huge lake. It's 11 kilometers wide at its widest from east to west and 21 kilometers long from north to south. And its deepest point is really only about 43 meters. But because of the geography of this lake, it's actually below sea level. Storms could suddenly form, and they were often very violent. And so it could catch you off guard and catch you unawares. And this storm is one of these storms. It threatens the integrity of the boat, and it puts all their lives at risk. A fishing boat, I guess, you would think a fishing boat would be what they were in? Yeah, they were in a fishing boat. In fact, back in 1986... The modern state of Israel was in a state of drought, and the level of the Sea of Galilee was very low because of that. And because the lake was so low, uh, some local fishermen saw in the mud that's exposed now some wood. And they investigated, and anyway, what they discovered was a fishing boat that dates from the time of Jesus. So this was an exciting and amazing find 
And it has been dubbed the Jesus boat because it's from that period of time. And it was found in the lake, the Sea of Galilee. And it would have been the kind of boat that Peter and Andrew, James and John would have used in their fishing business. And this boat is roughly eight meters long or 27 feet long. It's 2.3 meters wide or seven and a half feet wide. So this is a significant discovery. In the show notes provided for you, some web links and some YouTube clips to follow up on, which gives a little more detail about the discovery and even replica of what this boat looks like. It's an amazing thing. Thanks, David. I followed those links. I had a look at that. That was so interesting just to see that picture. There's even a, a museum built around that boat. You would think all eyes and ears would be on the water and that storm brewing and that danger coming because of the power that is unleashed in a storm and everyone knows how dangerous that is. But there was one person on that boat that wasn't worried at all. Jesus was asleep. I was reading that and thinking, how can you sleep? I've been on a boat and slept all night in the ocean when the water was very calm and the boat was rocking and I find it very difficult to sleep when the waters are calm. But here's Jesus asleep when the storm is going on. But the disciples definitely are not asleep. They're kind of contrasted with Jesus being at peace and the disciples fearing for their lives. I'm going to interrupt with the scripture because this comes to mind when I think about Jesus and his non-concern with that storm. And I'm thinking of Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 16. No one has seen God, but Jesus is exactly like him. Christ ranks higher than all the things that have been made. Through his power, all things were made, things in heaven and on earth, things seen and unseen, all powers, authorities, lords and rulers, all things were made through Christ and for Christ. This storm had nothing on Jesus. He made the seas and the waves, and he was in control of storms. So he really had nothing to worry about. When we're in this storm, it seems so all-powerful because we are powerless in the storm. But like you said, Jesus actually has power over the storm. But not so. The disciples were very concerned. And like I said earlier, can you imagine fishermen were on the water a lot? And yet they were afraid. And I guess it's one of those sayings, if you're in a plane and the pilot's worried, you should be worried. I'd be the same. If the, the fishermen on that boat were concerned, I think I should be concerned. That was a bad storm. Right. People back then were superstitious, and the sea was the place where evil lurked. You have this nighttime scene of a storm and... They're fearful. There's the howling of the wind. There's the waves that are swamping the boat. And I can imagine in their mind, there's evil out here. There's chaos out here. And to the ancient people, the sea was the origin of evil and chaos. It's a symbol of chaos and evil. And that might be what they're thinking. Jesus demonstrates his power over this. He controls the wind and the waves. So I guess that's that seen and unseen because 
That's no mistake about that storm, because it talks about the boat began to fill with water, and they were in danger. That's what they could see. Interesting what you just said, because they were probably thinking about those other things, the dangerous things. So they were thinking about the seen and the unseen. It was all so scary and out of control. I guess they thought, who can we turn to? Or why is Jesus sleeping? But whatever it was, they turned to Jesus, and they cried out to him, we're going to drown. Jesus gets up. He gave a command, and the wind and the waves calmed. They obeyed. If that storm and all of its power could be so awesome and so unchained and so amazing, I tend to see it just stop. I think I would just be bowled over. I would just be frozen about what's just happened. Jesus asked this question when he commands the wind and the waves. He asked them, where is your faith? And we've had a good discussion about this. Their faith in what? I mean, what were they supposed to think? They were in danger, in real danger. And when we're in danger, yeah, we are afraid. But I think Jesus wanted them to think about who he is. When we're in danger, we need to turn to Jesus first. And maybe that's what the question is about, is trying to get them to see who they need to turn to. It may seem like a little harsh for Jesus to rebuke them for their lack of faith, but they need to learn to trust. They need to learn to trust in Jesus' power. They need to learn to trust who this powerful Jesus is. And so the story ends with a question. In fact, the last two things that are said are questions. Jesus asked the question, where's your faith? And then response The disciples look at each other with the question, what kind of man is this, or who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. They're forced to think about who this Jesus is that they're in the boat with, and they're learning about who Jesus is. They're learning about that he has power and just the kind of power that he has. They've seen his miracles, but they evidently have not experienced something like this. And Jesus has power over nature. He has power over those forces that we can't control, that put fear in our life. He has power over that. And His Word is so powerful. His very words are obeyed by the winds and the waves. And again, that just even puts more weight on listening to what Jesus says and obeying the words of Jesus, because even the winds and the waves obey There are some texts in the Old Testament that I believe can help us understand the story, at least help us to understand and point us to the answer to this question the disciples asked, who is this? Because in the Old Testament, God is the one who calms the storm. He is the one who has power over the restless sea, the chaotic seas. In Psalm 107, verse 23 through 32, we read this, others went out to sea in ships. They did business on the great oceans. They saw what the Lord could do. They saw the miracles he did. He spoke and a storm came up. It blew up high waves. The ships tossed as high as the sky and fell low in the waves. The storm was so bad the men lost their courage. They stumbled and fell like men who were drunk. They did not know what to do. In their misery, they cried out to the Lord, 
and he saved them from their troubles. He made the storm be still. He calmed the waves. They were happy that it was quiet, and God guided them to the port they wanted. And then we come to the refrain of the psalm. Let them give thanks to the Lord for his love and for the miracles he does for people. Let them praise his greatness in the meeting of the people. They should praise him in the meeting of the elders. Here we have a picture of God in the Old Testament, and God is the one who commands the sea. He commands the wind. He commands the waves. When you're in the midst of the storm, you cry out to him, and he will bring you to the port that you were going to. So sing praises to God, trust in him, give thanks to him. I think it's a background to this story. And there's a couple of other texts of scripture as well, which talk about God having power over the sea and the waves. That's so great. That last part of that psalm that you read, isn't that where we get that song, give thanks to the Lord for he is good? Is it that same psalm? Yeah, exact same psalm. In the story of Jesus stealing the storm, he does what God does. And I think we're to have this in mind as we're reading the story, as we wrestle with this question, who is this? Because even the wind and the waves obey him. That would be a great idea for a Bible study is just to write that question across the top of a paper and just dwell on that thought. What kind of man is this? And just maybe write down everything you can think of about Jesus. What kind of man is he? I think it's an important question. It's a question that comes up in this story, and it comes up in several other stories in the Gospel of Luke, but it also comes up in the Gospel of Matthew and Mark as Jesus is going about his ministry, doing the things that he was doing and saying the things that he was saying. Who is this Jesus? And I think that's the question we need to be asking ourselves. And in my study of the Bible, I am constantly being challenged with this question. Do I really know who Jesus is? Do I need to know something more about him? Will the real Jesus please stand up kind of thing? I think it's an important question we need to wrestle with in trying to understand the Jesus that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are presenting to us in in the Gospels. They're not just presenting this question to us. They're asking us to follow this Jesus. Are we willing to put our life, our whole life, our whole being in the hands of this person? So we need to ask this question, who is Jesus? Uh, But the world is telling us all the time to be asking the question, who am I? Who am I? It's all about me. And really, that's not the question in the end. It is, who is Jesus? So even the wind and the waves obey him. They do what he says. So not only are our lives in his hands, the whole world is in his hands and obedient to his commands. If the wind and the waves obey him, why shouldn't I? These are only a few verses, but actually I struggled with outlining, and and it was those verse numbers that got in the way, because I don't think the outline is that hard. There's the point one is the nap on the boat. The second point is the dangerous storm. And then the third, Jesus calms the storm. And I finished off just with the response to that. As I'm preparing my Bible class, I usually write down an outline of what's going to happen in the class. And I always write down an outline of the scripture I'm studying. So that's what I put on my 
class outline. Oh, good. David, this one is a lot of fun to teach. Often, as I've taught this story over the years, we've had like a big box that's a boat, especially for little children, and we all get in the boat, and we have a big storm, and then one of the children is assigned to be Jesus, and they let the storm go on for a little while, and then they stand up and say, peace, be still, (laughs) and everything stops. And the kids want to do that over and over and over. Well, they want to say, peace, be still? They want to experience the storm and then have that calm. So that's a fun one. Another thing that young children like to do is, again, that storm experience. So I get a big, like a bed sheet, a blue bed sheet, and I put a toy boat in the middle. And we stand around the edges of that cloth and we pull it up and we create a storm and watch that boat bounce around in the storm. That one's a lot of fun. But... You know, it's, there's a lot you can do just to experience and to make the story memorable. They'll remember that. You know, they'll say, oh, we did that boat. Oh, yeah, Jesus in the storm. And, and they do remember. A song that goes with this is, my God is so big, so strong and so mighty. Because I want the children to really talk about the power and the strength of Jesus, of God, a lot of the children would have been in a storm, and actually that's on the top of the list of things children are scared of is loud noise like thunder, uh, lightning. That's pretty scary. So they can relate to this story and the idea of Jesus being stronger than that storm. A uh, couple of craft ideas. Hey, David, I'm going to be full of ideas for this one, all right? <laughs> Sounds like it. (laughs) (laughs) Another craft idea is just to get a plastic bottle, do a little recycling, put water in it, maybe a little blue food coloring, and then just seashells, beads, different things, and then glue shut the top of that bottle, and then they can shake it up and make a storm in that bottle. Another one is just artwork. Have like Peace Be Still written on the middle of a paper, and the children can use paints, crayons, markers, whatever you have to draw a storm around that, but leave peace be still in the middle. And, you know, you may think, how do you draw a storm? Just ask a child to draw a storm. (laughs) They they got that. Okay, right. (laughs) What would you do in adult class? Well, one of the emotions that come out of this story is the fear of the disciples. They're in the midst of this storm. So their world at the moment is chaotic. It's topsy-turvy. And they don't know how things are going to turn out. So they experience fear. We live in a chaotic world, and our lives in different levels are chaotic. Not everything is great. There may be things that bring fear in our life. There may be some fear that we're experiencing now because of our situation. So in adult class, what you could do when you talk about the story, you can do this different ways as a class or in groups is just to write on a piece of paper things that you're afraid of, fear that's in your life. And you can share that with someone else. Maybe turn to the person to your right or left and just share that in an intimate way if it's appropriate. And then pray about those things. And just read text like this in like Psalm 107 that we read earlier. Or also the passage in Colossians to be reminded that God actually is more powerful 
than the chaos that's going on in our world and in our lives. We need to put our trust in God, and so that's one thing you can do in an adult class. Oh, thanks, David. That's that's a really good one. We all need that. That peace is what we all look for, isn't it? Storms are scary. There are many things in life that make us nervous or just downright afraid. And this story from the book of Luke reminds all of us that Jesus is stronger. We can turn to Jesus And He will always be stronger than any obstacle in our life, anything that might hurt us. He is stronger. So we can always turn to Him that He will do His will. And as you teach children, I hope you have that message for yourself in your own heart as you then turn that and help children understand that same message. And may God bless you as you continue to speak into the lives of children. Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share God's word with children.